we know that inevitably every single person, including us, you know, inevitably we're all going to be dealing with loss at some point. We're all going to be dealing with uh, change, sometimes something catastrophic as in like an earthquake or a fire. Every single one of us is going to go through this life at some point and experience something overwhelming or traumatic. I am an empowerment coach. I am here to empower you to create the life that you want to live. of the Silver Lake Priestess podcast. I am Jamie Black, and I'm here today with Raquel Jordan. Raquel, thank you for coming and joining us on the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. You're welcome. Really excited. Yeah, I'm excited as well. So I'm really... So here on the show, here on the podcast, I interview women that inspire me deeply. The work that they're doing, that is women that are doing powerful work that either I have been affected by myself because I've worked with them and trained with them, or they're women that like we are growing our businesses together and we've done trainings together. And I'm so proud of the work that they're doing and inspired. Like these are the women that I'm sharing on the show here. And I'm so honored to have you here. You know, I've been such a support of your growth and your work for so many years now. And you just, this is giving me chills. You just, you know, you just keep becoming more, just more of it. And I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy to have you here and, and to share your work. You're so welcome. So Raquel and I connect in all the ways. Like we <laughs> met at our slave jobs back in the day. You know, I, I talk about this a lot because this show also is um, also to motivate women who aren't serving their purpose. And there's this thing inside that they know that they want to be doing, but it's such a scary transition. And I really love to share all of my sisters that are going through this same thing and really just show that it can happen in the process and, and also just how important it is just to be able to be feeling that you're serving your purpose as opposed to not, you know. So, so I talk about the slave job. So I was a waitress for like 20 years in Los Angeles. And so, so many people that I know have come from that situation. And Raquel met, we met at one of our waitressing jobs many years ago. And um, so here we are now in this different chapter in our life, like actually like serving our purpose. And, you know, for us, so many of us that live here in LA, we're all called here for so many different reasons. And then as we focus on our purpose, right, as we focus on following our heart and really serving and giving what we feel is ours to give into the world around us, we use all of, we use all of those skills and all of those gifts that maybe like we came here with. Right. Like I've been playing music for years. Like you're an incredible like actress and performer. And these were things that maybe we were just searching out how to serve our purpose in those ways and in our process of self-work and self-growth and deep healing for ourselves personally, we've been able to use our gifts that we that we were using like in the artistic field and all of that and use them into serving our purpose. And so I connect with Raquel in that way. We're definitely witchy sisters together. For sure, we were priestesses in a past life. You know, we've done many a ceremony at night in the woods. And so anyway, we're going to get into talking about your work. So Raquel has is now working with trauma. And that's what I've called this episode is trauma and healing trauma with yoga. And also with what I talk about with sacred purpose is that oftentimes, and always there's something in it, but oftentimes it's inside of our trauma that we find ourselves, that we find our gifts and we learn so much about our strengths and our weaknesses and, and use those 
to help heal ourselves and help heal other people. And so I would love to talk about the work that you're doing and how you started on this path. It actually was a natural evolution, and I didn't know this at the time, but when I first really started diving into yoga, processing some of my own traumas without realizing it. And so, you know, it's interesting because consciously didn't know that at the time. Um, and then years later, just natural progressions being what they were, you know, I got my yoga teacher training eventually and started teaching. And it took me a couple of years to really experiment with different styles of yoga that I wanted to teach and find my own voice and even just get comfortable with, you know, teaching a sequence, putting together a sequence and all of like the really foundational basic stuff. And then once I was able to feel like really stable and solid in the foundationals, um, just made sense. And it was also, like I said, a little voice inside of me that was like, okay, now that you've got that down, your next step to serve the greater good is to understand. In fact, I understood this to be a part of my responsibility as a yoga teacher to educate myself on trauma and how it affects the body and how it affects a person's uh, internal world and, and processes and perspectives because I'm somebody who's teaching um, about internal processes and perspectives in class. And I knew that statistically, I was going to have a handful of people in every single class that were dealing you know, silently with these things. And I'm someone who, I understand yoga to be something that helps people through their life, but most importantly, during the times of transition and during those times when we're suffering, to really help us um, move through it in a graceful way and understand the bigger, remember what the bigger picture is, or remember what, who we truly are, what we truly are. And um, if I'm in a room with people that are suffering, I am doing them a disservice by not knowing how to speak to them and not knowing um, there's, there are gold nuggets in the yoga tradition that I feel are my obligation to teach people, to introduce to them so that they have these resources in their lives. Because I know inevitably, you know, what my conclusion was, was we know that inevitably every single person, including the person, us, you know, inevitably we're all going to be dealing with loss at some point. We're all going to be dealing with uh, change. Um, sometimes something catastrophic as in like an earthquake or a fire. Every single one of us is going to go through this life at some point and experience something overwhelming or traumatic. Everyone. And so if I'm serving everyone, it's a big, huge oversight for me to not look at this and understand how to help people in this way during this time. So that's, I mean, that's like really what got me on the path to then seeking it out and finding the right teacher to study with to find out about it. And then years later, you know, I'm still like working through some, some of the, my own, um, my own, I don't know, little tiny traumas or tiny teas that people talk about. Um, and I have my own help in that way. We can talk about that also. But, you know, at the time I first started practicing yoga, I was going through something traumatic and I was seeking out yoga as a, as an outlet to just move my body, to just get into my body because it felt good intuitively to do that. Um, and then I kind of went away from it for a little bit and then I came back to it. And, you know, after that hiatus of, of not being with it, uh, I started naturally gravitating towards meditation and understanding meditation. And then when I came back to my practice, I was like, wow, I understood it to be something completely different after learning about meditation. Oh, this is prayer with my body. Oh, this is me like getting to know my body in a way I, I didn't know before. Um, so often people use that phrase like, oh, I know this like the back of my hand, but it's like, do you really know the back of your hand? Like, have you really actually studied the back of your hand? People say that phrase, which they really know. And I'm still, like, learning about this lot. So that was probably, like, the biggest shift for me in understanding just, like, feelings firsthand, the cathartic experience I was having in some of these more gentle, slow classes where I was 
rather than having it be mainly athletic, um, slowing me down and getting me to notice things. And I'd say like a teacher that you and I share, um, Carmen, Carmen Fitzgibbon, Mm. We we were taking, you know, I was taking classes. So just like to rewind, Jamie is really the one who's indirectly responsible for me becoming a yoga because <laughs> you kept telling me, oh, you got to come, you know, you got to come to you, you got to come to the studio, you got to study with, with these teachers that I have. And I finally went. And it was the first time that I went to a yoga class where I was like, wow, I'm really going to sink my teeth into understanding what all of this is because they were so good at transferring the information. Um, and so thank you because you really did influence my life. You changed my life in, in that way. And you've been like the number one, um, supporter and brooder in my corner from the very beginning. Like my first class, she was like the one going to my class. <laughs> and big smile on your face when I would look at you in, in my class and then afterwards you would have you would have great feedback because you would you would not only have some really beautiful reflections on what you found were my gifts but you were also able to give me um, great constructive criticism to help me become a better teacher and one of those things you told me in one of my classes I remember was very little it was like you know at the end of your class when you chant home you were talking about just the tone you were like, I think there was like, when I was chanting Om, there, it was a, the tone was lower and flatter and it was harder for other people to access. And you gave me the feedback to just kind of take it up a, a little bit, take it up a notch. And I changed the tone of my own and I noticed a significant difference in the people who participated in chiming in. And the sound of it in general was just a lot more resonant. Uh, and it's like little things like that, Jamie, uh, you Aww. influenced me. And we thank you. And and it, forgive me for like bouncing around a lot, but on that topic, um, because we are talking about trauma and healing um, trauma with yoga, um, I I believe that a lot of these tools are great support for someone on the road to healing. And there's different types of trauma and there's different levels of trauma but in addition to the yoga um, one thing that I know across the board for all of it is the importance of community and the importance of having people around you that are going to reflect back to you your strengths your beauty like where are you going and and that kind of brings it back in to, to you you know it brings it back to you reflecting back to me oh you should go check out this class. You're constantly reflecting back to me my strength and my beauty and lifting me up and supporting me. And those are the kinds of people, those of you that are listening, like those are the kind of people you want to find and you want to have in your corner. Those are the kind of people you want to spend time with because as you continue to evolve and grow, those are the people that are going to continue to hold space and just ping pong back to you everything that you're unearthing and working towards. Mm, thank you. Thank you for that acknowledgement. And it's been my honor to be on this journey with you. I've been so inspired by you and your wisdom as well. And, um, you know, sound is a powerful healer. Raquel also has an incredible voice and we've sang together. And that's one of the things I've learned in, in my own set of gifts that I use for healing myself and others is in the voice. And uh, there's, you know, hitting the different tones. It releases... Um, it actually can release like things that we hold on to, things that we grip. It can access like emotions and memories. You know, that's why music is so powerful. So you could be listening to somebody singing some song and it's not really always the lyrics that we identify with. It's the, the sound. And so that is, it's such a powerful experience for us to be able to ohm. I always have people ohm after my circles, even though we're not doing, you know, asana in my circles. I do try to give people the experience to vocalize as well because it's it's part of it. So it's there's the mental workout that needs to be done with trauma, for example, and then moving the body physically and then activating the sound that our that our own bodies make. Our own instrument can make the sounds that can heal us as well so that's cool that's really cool very cool because yeah. it's actually it is a it is a there is a direct correlation between experiencing something uh 
traumatic or, or being traumatized and, and your voice being um, compromised or shut off, you know, and, and mm -hmm. degrees, um, like my, um, my boyfriend's grandmother is a Holocaust survivor. We've talked about on, on our first day, we talked about the throat and how I use that in therapy also when I was working with women in a rehab center, um, singing. You know, I like to study groups of people that have developed resilience as a culture, like African-Americans in the United States. And I see these gospel choirs and I see all of these different African-Americans that have become such soulful, powerful, moving performers and vocalists and singers. And I'm like, okay, note to myself, um, that is a key right there. I know for myself when I'm going through grief or when I'm, when I'm crying, the only, the only thing that helps me move that emotion and those feelings out is singing. And, um, and sometimes when you go through something really traumatic uh, in your brain, like you actually you lose sense of chronological order of things. So when you're trying to piece together a story, it's very fragmented. So you're better off you know, working with something more abstract. Um, and sometimes your voice gets hushed or silenced. And so, you know, even just singing somebody else's song that you can relate to can be really healing. You can work with a, another person's song and channel your emotions and start to work with being comfortable with the sound of your own voice. And that it's very empowering. And I teach and I tell people like your voice is your own individual uh, healing tuning fork. You know, your tuning fork. And when you hit that, those vibrations go into every cell of your body. And it's very powerful. Yes. And the thing, um, you know, with, with um, my, um, you know, like I said, my boyfriend's grandmother being a Holocaust survivor, we were talking on our first date about the throat. So that's very interesting because um, she has a lot of like, um, it, it sounds almost like a radio that's kind of like uh, the goes out in and out like her vocal cords have actually been significantly uh, compromised so her voice feels very muffled very held back it's just it's interesting yeah so interesting yeah so I want to ask you about the work that you have done with Off the Mat Into the World, because I know that this was part of your journey into studying trauma and <clears throat> that that program really just does such important work for women and children and people um, all over the world. So I would love for you to share with us about the work that you do with them. Yeah. Um, well, first, I'll tell you a little bit about their program. I highly recommend um, those of you who are activists, who are leaders, who are, are passionate about um, like a major shift or change in your community uh, to do this program because the first thing that comes to mind is the importance of the fact that it begins and it starts with you, period. So. You know, the one thing with off the mat that they really teach you is that change starts with you. Just like what Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see. But you find ways in this program to really do that. In this process, you really, you sit with yourself. You ask a lot of questions that when I did the program, there were certain things that revealed themselves to me that I hadn't really thought about before. Wow, this... This has been affecting me for years. I had no idea. Um, and that self-awareness of knowing where your trigger points are, knowing where your um, challenges are, it helps you to develop more compassion for other people that perhaps you don't agree with, to understand where they're maybe be coming from. You have a lot more space to work in that field of change, and you become less reactive because the thing that they are teaching is, is that if you, a lot of activists are, are responding or reacting from their own trauma. And if you don't sit with yourself and your stuff, you're, without realizing it, you can uh, indirectly cause more harm than good. And I truly do believe that. I mean, it's like 
you've got somebody on the other end that might have a completely different viewpoint than you and might be doing something extremely just destructive, you know, whatever way, destructive or harmful. Um, or often than not, you look back and you see a cause for the effect. And if you're coming at somebody with an attack because you're mad at them for what they're doing, your, your wound is screaming at their wound. And they're, you're not going to get anywhere with that because that person's defensive and then that person lashes. You don't get what you actually, the outcome that you actually want. So in any, in any way that you're going to want to make a change, you have to literally feel in your body grounded and open, not constricted and, and up here. You know, it's it's a, and it's helpful to have a visceral understanding of what that feels like in your body because sometimes you can lose a sense of where you are at with something. Or, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm very level-headed because I know exactly what this is. But in reality, your body's super tight. Your breath is really shallow, and you want to punch something. You know, and that's not the place you want to be. We're having a a, a conversation. Sorry. So. Um, Anyway, so yeah, that's that's basically the the gist of it. And and I will say that most um, most of the time you'll find your unresolved, unsettled stuff with your family, with the friends that are the closest to you, and your partners. Pardon me, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna make sure to shut a door so we have okay. some. Cards. Okay, that sounds good. We can hear the waves and the wind. Yes, I am uh, feeling very, um, very lucky, very fortunate to be where I am right now, which is, first of all, we live in a beautiful place. We live in California. Mm, We do. And I've I've made my way close to the ocean, the beach, which is also really healing. Yeah, for for those of you that are listening later on on the podcast and you're not watching the live here, I mean, we can see Raquel sitting like it looks like you must be out on a balcony or something but just the sky is like all these different shades of blue with a little bit of clouds and I, I feel like I can see the ocean underneath and I can hear that's what we've been hearing the waves the whole time so um, I'm totally having the experience of you being there myself this is so awesome okay so so going into like the work that you're doing and what you're teaching in your classes um well, I, I know that you have something special that you're teaching soon, and so we, I do want to get into that and, and ask you about that. Um, one of, in, like, what, so this is the thing. When I see somebody that's doing the deep work on themselves, and, and I think that that, for those of us that are teachers, for those of us that are leaders in, in, uh, in the different ways, and we are teaching and speaking about subjects that we either know about or that we're passionate about, we're all going through so much deep work consistently because the more work that you do on yourself, I mean, everyone who's listening, you know that like it doesn't end. Like there's more work to do. There's more things to find. And um, so I know that you recently just went on a silent retreat where I've had my own experience having to be silent in life where I didn't speak for like seven weeks, but I've never made it to a retreat where there was just silence the entire time. Um, so I'd love for you to share with us about that. Well, I'm really glad you're asking about this because it informed a lot of what, uh, what I will be incorporating even more of in my own personal teachings. The fact that we can't sit with ourselves for too long in silence it says a lot, you know, it says a lot. And I, I know that some of it is, you know, some of it is just the byproduct of our culture being what it is. Like we're driving, especially if you live in a city, you're constantly around people, you're constantly driving, your schedule during the week is super cramped. I get it. And you, you literally get conditioned to just go from one thing to the next thing. But in that, in that, you know, scheduling where you really don't have time to just be still and quiet while you're awake, not when, you know, not when you're asleep and unconscious, but while you're awake, you don't really have time to properly process what's actually going on in your life. And you can very easily um, get stuck on a thermostat of 
of reactivity and sleepwalking and and going and literally enacting the same patterns over and over again when you know you don't want to act like that. And it's really hard to untangle that patterning if you do not give yourself the time and space to really sit and ask questions and get uncomfortable. Like you actually have to fairly sit with yourself to the point where it's uncomfortable because it can be really confrontational. Yeah, and that uncomfortable place and sitting with that, if you can sit with that and get through it, there's something there for you on the other side. And that's all I can say about it. And I found when I was in, when I was during the week of the meditation retreat, we did have, you know, we did have some yoga, which was nice. And I noticed it, with the instructor leading us, um, you know, you don't really need that many words to understand people. You don't need a lot of languaging to explain something or, or even teaching a yoga class, telling people how to move into such a way literally can say one or two words. And there's nothing wrong with leaving space. In fact, I think a lot of people are nervous to not talk, to just leave space. So much truth that lives in the space. Because really, like, the space is holding everything, right? And the words limit it to very, a very, very little finite thing. And so what happened with me when I was sitting with myself was, one, you know, leading up to the meditation, I um, hadn't, my discipline had kind of gone off a little bit. Like, I, you know, I normally was, I normally sit with myself a minimum of like 20 minutes at least once a day. And this was, you know, every sit was a minimum of 45 minutes. And I was sitting for up to eight hours. And um, so I, my muscles like weren't used to that length. And I was super antsy. I remember wanting to open my eyes and look at the clock. I remember thinking, gosh, this is going to be over. I remember getting really uncomfortable physically, just wanting to fidget physically. And I I thought it was all just physical. I thought for myself, like, oh, it's because I don't feel well. I actually did have a cold, like, the first couple days. I don't feel well, and this is making it more challenging. Because usually when I don't feel well, I'll skip my meditation. And in this case, I had to sit with that discomfort. And as the days went on, three, four days went on, uh, eventually, like, it went deeper. It went beyond the physical, and it started to go into, like, the emotional uncomfortability that was currently with me. And I was, I was like, sitting with difficult thoughts and emotions that uh, would, like, kind of start to rise to the surface, and I'd, like, swat them away, and then, like, move on to the next thing, swat it away, move on to the next thing. And this time, I was, like, sitting, really just, like, swimming in those thoughts and those feelings and seeing where they were really taking me and just listening, listening. And I have a habit of when, and I don't, you know, this could be for a lot of different reasons, but I I think my thinking of being an actress, actually, uh, being like doing scene study and character study of like putting myself into somebody else's shoes and really like embodying a character, hearing a story and then embodying like putting a whole backstory behind Play, right? Like I read a play, and then all of a sudden I have to put a backstory on on what my character says. Why do they say what they say? Well, the adverse effect of that uh, in real life is that you know you can be with people in your life and misinterpret something they say to you because you've created a whole backstory on why they said what they said. And then all of a sudden you try to put yourself in their shoes when you're not in their shoes because they have so, so many different perspectives that they've from things they've experienced that are not what you've experienced. And so you have your own interpretation of things. And you start to create that, that being like, that is, that is what happened. That is it. You know, and you don't leave room for like the possibility that you might be wrong. And so my shift in my meditation was, wow, I'm I'm actually looking outward, right? I'm like watching other people. I'm making judgments of other people. I'm saying, I'm upset because this person did this. I'm upset because I'm experiencing this from this person or or this situation. And all of a sudden, I started going, what's up with me? You know, rather than pointing the finger out there, I started going, why am I upset with that? Like, why does that bother me so much? 
what am I actually feeling? Oh, I'm feeling insecure right now. Oh, I'm feeling scared. Why am I feeling scared? And just I kept going with the questions and I got really curious about myself rather than about some other people. Getting all caught up in their stuff, forgetting about mine. And I came to the conclusion, which is like something we all know, but we, we, we forget, is that we literally are the ones responsible for our, not always, but most of the time, the majority of our suffering, we cause it ourselves. You know, like there's one of the meditation teachers in the, in the program was saying, there's the first arrow, right? There's the thing that maybe happened that you have no control over, first arrow. And then there's the second arrow, which is like, you having your own judgments on what happened to, uh, towards yourself or towards somebody else, or you, you got hurt and now you're going to hurt somebody else. You got hurt and now you're going to hurt yourself. Now you're going to blame yourself for something that happened to you that you couldn't help. That's the second error. And sitting in the room and I was like, oh my God, I've been, I've been shooting a lot of second arrows lately. I've been shooting a lot. And, and, and those arrows, more often than not, when you're shooting them, it's so beautiful the way that life works because it's such a beautiful interconnected web that any and every time I shoot a second arrow out at somebody else, I'm shooting it right at myself because the minute I release that arrow and I feel it hit someone that I love and I care about and then I see them hurt, I'm hurting now because I've caused someone that I love to hurt. And, I do, and you know, deep down, we don't really do that. Right? And, or like... I'm really in a lot of pain and I'm uncomfortable. And rather than being compassionate with myself and getting curious about why I feel a certain way, I get really hard on myself about the fact that I even feel that way. And that's the second error. And so that was just like, whoa, like me really just sitting with how much I've been causing myself a lot of suffering. And, um, you know, Marianne Williamson wrote a book called the Ret- A Return to Love. And that was really a lot of my conclusion on this retreat that I was experiencing was how much the world around me was really like, I just want to love you. This flower is opening. And it's like, I just want to love you. I just want you to smell me. And all of the moments when we're blocking it, we're not like letting love in. And, um, and so then as soon as I was able to sit with, wow, I'm the very things that I want more than anything, I'm all of a sudden um, putting a wall up because I'm scared, but like eventually I'm gonna die in that tower because I'm shutting everything out and I'm not actually living. And, um, and so then the transition from sitting with myself was like, oh, how can I soften more? How can I, how can I let the love in? How can I let the love in? So that was, that was my biggest, biggest personal takeaway. I totally identify with that. Have a, it's very easy for me to put things out. I'm such a, a doer, and it's hard for me to receive because uh, there's that softening that has to happen. And so um, that sometimes, like, when we need to be doing, we have the walls up so that, you know, we can just put out and we don't have to be overly sensitive or whatever, but you really have to, like, open up to receive from others or receive even from what you, your own self are putting out. And so um, and I'm working with that. It's really hard to do that when you've experienced, um, you know, when you've experienced trauma, like trauma, I say that, I know the word, I'm loving that the word is getting out there, but specifically when it's, when you've experienced something traumatic, when it had to do with something developmental, where it had to do with like a caretaker or, or somebody, a family member that you're supposed to trust. And therefore, that's why I'm like, this work, I think, first and foremost, requires a lot of compassion. And I didn't realize the lack of compassion that I had for, my, had for myself until I out with my treat, how hard I was being on myself. You're, you're not supposed to feel that way. You're a yoga teacher. You're not supposed to, you know, have that experience. And the fact is, like, I'm human, and I do have those experiences. And the minute I start to push it away because I think I'm not supposed to feel that is the minute it amplifies, and it it hurts me more. And when somebody is experiencing something so, you know, something pretty overwhelming um, in their lives where there was trust broken from a family member, it takes a long time, really, for that 
that work to be, you know, allow you to open up in such a way that you really can uh, receive. And so my first thing is like having a lot of compassion for yourself and patience. And, um, and the people that I've had the fortunate ability to witness move through this, it's a courageous act. You know, it's a courageous act to face the dragons in your dungeon in your, that are scary. I mean, you really, like, you're facing, some, some people are facing, like, ten-headed dragons. Like, it's fucking serious. And speaks my language, and it's fierce. And this is, like, the advice that I gave to one woman. You're going to go down in a dungeon, and you're going to try to face a ten-headed dragon by yourself. Like, that's deadly. You, you need a team. You need an army behind you. And so... Yoga is one thing. Yoga is a sword. Yoga is a weapon, right, that you can work for yourself. Maybe you could consider yoga to be more of like um, a healing tonic or something like nutrients that you feed the soldiers that are going into to battle. Like yoga is more of like something that's like a nutrient diet that you take. Um, and also it provides beautiful techniques that I'll share with you a couple of examples systematically that can help you move out of a hat of, of a pattern where you're like sleepwalking in a trance and wake you out of it, which is good. Um, because I consider the 10 headed dragon to have lots of different uh, ways in which they can win you. They can win the battle. And some of those ways are casting spells on you and like getting you to, to really be in a trance. Um, but when I say have your team, have your army, don't go in and down into the dungeon by yourself. That could be a lot of things. I, I, I highly recommend people who are experiencing developmental or complex trauma to seek out therapists, a licensed therapist that they resonate with. That, and, and when I say licensed therapist, I also say somebody who, um, who respects your boundaries is very important because I've also unfortunately heard some not great stories about therapists who violated the trust of their, their patient. Um, so someone that respects your boundaries and someone that you feel like you, you really do trust. And as you continue to cultivate that, that inner guide, that inner voice, the most important thing is just keep, keep um, if something feels wrong, wrong, ask questions. There's probably a reason why it feels off, whether it's somebody on the outside is doing something off or something inside is happening that's off. Um, so yoga, actual therapy with a psychologist. There's also Hala, who's my mentor, Hala Kori, who's co-founder of Off the Mat to the World, is a somatic experiencing practitioner. That's another form of therapy that you can do where you can go and you can work with somebody and um, they can help you like move it out of your body. They can help you find a language with your body. Sometimes people don't have words for what they've experienced. And, and this part of them, like I said earlier, has been silenced. So they have to get it out in a more animalistic, primal way. Um, uh, there's a lot of different art therapy. You know, getting really curious and whatever is resonating with you at the time, go for it. I personally um, never did go to, you know, I never had an actual therapist until now recently, um, but I experienced some pretty challenging things, traumatic things as a child that I didn't realize were traumatic for me until I got into a relationship and a lot of the stuff started coming out and the, my behaviors. And it's like my behavior is like very irrational matched with what's actually happening. And that's telling me that you know, I literally have eh, eh, danger, 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 like going off in my head and I'm freaking out. And it's literally like fight or flight. I'm like, whoa, whoa, like why is this happening right now? I gotta get really curious about this, and this is like really, this is something that I can't do alone. I gotta have somebody that, that can just like continue to be on in my corner coaching me. And so, yeah, I the first time in my adult life have had a therapist. It's been really helpful for me, and it's also been really um, it's only fortified what I have to offer to the world. Because again, it goes back to what Off the Mat says: it starts with you. So as deep as you can go into your own self and not be afraid of all those different sides of you, um, you're literally 
bringing it with everything you got when you're able to really have access to all your sides, including the sides of you that you're not necessarily proud of. And there's a beautiful like metaphor of that in Native American culture. So when they, the Native Americans believe that when something really overwhelming or traumatic has happened to you, a piece of you has been left in that moment, in that memory. Um, so whenever it is like older, they've had a lot of pieces of themselves uh, chipped away at different experiences they've had in their lives. They're literally walking around half a person or a fraction of a person. There's parts of them have, that have been left behind or lost. And so, you know, then you'll have like a shaman do a ceremony where they take you into a whole journey and you go back and you find those parts of yourself and you retrieve them and you reclaim them. And, and there's great uh, therapist work on, on that too. I can't remember the, what, the, what the technical name for the therapy is, but it's like you basically are reenacting certain experiences you've had and you're in that process reclaiming parts of yourself. I think that's like a very powerful form of therapy. And I know people that, you know, especially you need to find someone who's licensed in this, but these people are doing, are studying this for years before they actually are, are allowed to teach it and lead it. But I think it's probably the most powerful form of therapy because you're working in a community again. Like it's not just you alone. You have like a room full of people that are also dealing with their stuff and you realize I'm not alone and I don't have to do this alone. And I have a community of people around me that are reflecting back to me what I need to hear and see. Mm-hmm. We're people, people. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So tell us about one of the tools that you're offering. So we're, there's like this, you know, this tree of all of these different tools that are um, what helps make us whole, right? Yeah. Um, and also a way to like, when we're look, when we're going deep and we're looking inside of us and looking at our shadow and um, so you're offering a really amazing series coming up and where you're going to hold the container for people doing this type of work and, and doing like physical asana as well as I'm sure you're doing some meditation and that. Tell us a little bit about what you're offering. And yeah. So it's called, the series is called Building Resilience. It's something that I've been most curious about and passionate about for a really long time because I, I see how essential it is to our lives. Like in order to really thrive in your life and continue to evolve, you have, you know, you have to develop resilience. And the people that I look up to the most have been able to cultivate this fierce resilience with Maya Angelou, Oprah. Like think about these people that have had pretty significant things happen to them uh, in in their earlier years and that resilience they cultivated and like how fierce they got from it. Kind of like what you were saying earlier about being on the other side of, of whatever you've experienced is this like, is this powerful person. And um, so the series is the first week, which is next weekend in Echo Park at Yogala. It's called uh, Building Resilience with Fear. The second one is on anxiety. The third is grief. And the fourth is shame. And these are just chapters, um, pretty much, or sections of each one of our lives where we're dealing with these topics. This is something that universally we're all confronted with these things and how they're basically cross. I see them as like crossroads or forks in the road. You get to a fork in the road and you see, ah, fear. And then you have a choice whether you can like take one path that you avoid all of that discomfort and fear, or you walk towards it. And where does it lead you on the other side? And from, I can only speak for myself, my own experiences, but Whenever I face that fear head on, I've gone to exactly where I want to go. I've gone to the most interesting places and I've gotten myself to exactly where I want to go. When I avoid those fears is actually, the, I don't, I don't grow. I, I like defeat the per. in my opinion, I'm like defeating the purpose of why I'm even here. Like I don't, I'm not fully evolving and I'm, I'm not stepping into my power and I'm not like finding my, more of myself. 
And it's not to say that fear just completely goes away. It's just that you're, you're cultivating more courage to be able to go, yeah, I'm afraid. And fear is there for a reason. It's there to keep me alive. But beyond that, once I know that I'm not going to die in that moment, if I choose to do that thing, then I got to get curious about why I'm afraid. And it just literally is just informing me on myself and what's making me tick. And then through that whole process, you're realizing, wow, like I had this limiting belief and I never knew I had had that pattern and habit. And that's actually not serving me. And so you just like wake up more and more and and you're getting to choose more actively how you want to live your life, the story you want to write. And, um, I'm really like, I'm doing this series for myself. I'm doing this series because, because I'm curious about this stuff for myself. And so being intrigued with it, being in the thick of my own work, I get to test it out on myself and I get to put it into practice and see how it affects me. And then I'm realizing the value of it and sharing it with other people because, you know, oftentimes yoga is it's beautiful. You know, you have a lot of asana-based classes and you have a lot of meditation, but you don't have a lot of people addressing head-on those difficult moments when we're in silence behind closed doors in our own homes. And there's a, a lot of people silently suffering. And no one's really like in a group setting addressing these scary places that we all have. Um, these topics can be difficult, uh, like grief and shame. But, you know, the truth is, like, whether it's heartbreak or losing someone, again, like, we're all going to have grief is a part of this life experience. It's part of us. So we can either deny that it even exists and avoid even looking at it, which is going to, in my experience, has caused me more suffering. Or you can get really curious about, like, how do I work with this? Because it's inevitably here. And we also know that at some point we're all going to die, right? Like, that's one thing we all know, which is why we all do Shavasana in the first place every, every time we end a class. It's, dying. <laughs> it's literally a dress rehearsal for your death. Like, how are you going to gracefully transition out of here and wow. that ultimate surrender of letting go? And there's grief in that process of like really mm. um, and all of all of these experiences, there's fear in that process of letting go. I'm sure there's anxiety in that process. If there's something that's gone unset, there could be shame there too. And it's like these are things that we wanna really like free ourselves of. And I find I'm like, I'm a freedom fighter. Like I'm a freedom fighter and those are chains. Yeah. You know, that's, I know, I, obviously I know that Shavasana is corpse pose, but, you know, you saying this right now is really making me look at the whole process a little bit differently because inside of an asana class, you go through positions that are really hard for your body. They might not be hard for the person next to you, or they might not have even been hard for you yesterday, right? You go into these positions, they're hard. You want to get out of them, but you just commit because you're in class to staying in it and breathing. You know, sometimes we want to like hold our breath in those places. And even certain positions for certain people are scary based on what you're holding and your hips maybe, or going upside down. And so the yoga asana class, you really just like in life, like you need to go into those tight places and you need to go into the places that you're, that there's fear. And like you're saying, it's important to do this type of work and there's different tools. You can work this stuff out in different ways and you don't just pick one, like you do different ones and you can do them at different times. Um, And there's ways that you can get support so that you can go in it safely. And you can go in it safely, regardless of how traumatic or how scary it is, because all of that is very real. We all understand that. We, and it's relative for all of us. There's people who I think maybe discount their own personal experiences in life because they haven't had the huge trauma yet. I, that was something very interesting for me. This was years ago, but when it was like my first high school reunion that I went to, my brother had gone in his accident and um, the way that that affected my life, like I had never experienced trauma before that, but then that was so defining for my life. And even still I'm working that stuff out because it was so painful. But there were people at that time who maybe just graduating college and really were like, you know, I haven't had anything, you know, really go on in my life. But we all, 
and there's certainly time for that, right? Like after high school, but even still, some people don't have like extreme obvious trauma hits to their life. That doesn't mean that we don't have trauma in there because it's all relative to our own story and our own self. And sometimes maybe discounting that and not realizing that like, we do have, we do, we have had trauma and it's where we're holding our life force energy is being held inside of there and where it's our ego that's trying to protect us just saying don't go in there don't go down that path it's not going to feel good but getting the support having someone that you trust and you connect to and you feel like they're the person for you that can hold the container and then trusting that they'll hold it and then you go through um there's powerful information in there there's powerful tools in there for each of us we each have a purpose. We each have others that we are supposed to teach or guide through using a wisdom that we've gained through our own experiences. And that's where you're going to get it. It's by going into the stuff that you know is there and the stuff that you don't even know is there. And I, I definitely want to leave the session because I know we're going to be um, going offline here pretty soon. Yes. But I want to I want to end the session with also a reminder of our fear is also trying to protect us. And so in those moments, like even a headstand where you're scared, um, there is wisdom in that too. Maybe you're literally, your body isn't ready for that headstand or that handstand. You know, maybe you don't, you haven't developed the strength that will go into that posture. So to just plow through something isn't always the most intelligent approach either. If you're going to be dealing with something that you know was pretty scary in your childhood or something overwhelming that you just experienced is very scary, um, you don't have to plow through it. Mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't say do that, yeah. but I would say maybe seek help, seek yeah. support, and say, hey, I'm really scared. I know that I need to do this, but I, and, you know, and you just like, you just give yourself patience and you you give yourself compassion and you give yourself support. And you can start with yoga. You can start with yoga. You can start with yoga and you can start with breathing and just moving your body. And you can come to Raquel's series that starts next week. So when, uh, when, when we're done here, will you please go in on the Facebook page and put a link to the program so that people can read about it? Um, any questions that you have for Raquel, please leave them there, and you can definitely get in contact with her. We're going to put all of your like website and um, information and all of that, too, here in the show notes and the podcast. And, of course, at any time, if any of you are trying to get a hold of her and nothing is working out, just message me. I'll, I'll hook you up with Raquel. Thank you for all of the amazing work that you're doing, that you've done on yourself, and that now is like rippling out to all of the people that come to your classes. I love to come to your class. I learn so much every time, and I'm so proud of you, and um, just honored that you would come here and share your wisdom with us. I'm so proud of you, too, and what you're doing. You're basically a portal for all of this information. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Okay, so everyone, take care. Thank you for joining us, and blessed be. You can support the show at patreon.com forward slash silverlakepriestess. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please do so now. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review over on iTunes, I would appreciate it so very much. And with that, I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Blessed be. Blessed be.